So Jesus, verse 29, he answered and said to them, This is the work of God. Notice, the work, singular. This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Notice Jesus' response. It's simple, it's direct, and yet the biggest stumbling block for everyone on the planet. Because man likes to feel like they've had some bearing in their salvation. I want to feel like I had some, something to do with it. All you had to do was believe in him. It's a work, yeah. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Our scripture today says Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. Those who questioned Jesus seemed sure that if only Jesus told them what to do, they could please God by their works. For these people, as with many people today, pleasing God is found in the right formula for performing works that will please God. However, Jesus told them the first work is to believe in him. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. Flooded, but it's going, to be, it's going to be consumed with fire. So how important are the things that I'm feasting on that are eternal, the things that are going to yield a bumper crop of faith and of good things that will last for eternity, rather than those things that I do now, that those works that I do that I know are no good, and they're just going to be burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. They're going to be burned up. They're going to be little smoke vapors of everything that I did in my flesh. And I thought I was, you know, I said that I was doing it for God, but really I was doing it for myself. And so all those things are just going to go. It's going to look like a birthday candle or birthday cake being blown out. A lot of little smoke puffs everywhere. But what are you feasting on? And I have to ask myself the same question. What am I? What are we feasting on? Have you learned through experience that the pursuits and the gaining of material possessions, those things often just turn to gravel in our mouths, don't they? When we find that they really don't satisfy like they promise, because the world makes great promises. The devil makes great promises. He holds the carrot out in front of you, and we're always like that little hamster in the cage, you know, in the little round cage, just going, you know, trying to get the, the thing in front of us, but we never get it. Until you come to Christ. And then you could care less about the carrot. Because he's everything. And now all of a sudden your heart is filled. So what am I feasting on? What did John tell us? He said, do not love the world or the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, notice, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Love that verse. Don't love the things in the world. They're going to perish with the using. But rather, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Do those things for God. Do those things for the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who redeemed you. What are you investing in? Are you investing in in the important things in life? Are you investing in things that God sees as important? What does it tell us in Matthew? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, you can have all of the material possessions in the world, if that's your motivation, if that's really your heart, but they'll never satisfy. There's nothing wrong with having things. Just don't let your thing have you. You own it. Never let it own you. And see, that's the problem with most of us. As we get things, and pretty soon they own us, and pretty soon we got to maintain. we got to maintain, and then we have to work extra hard to maintain that thing. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. And I love that. Paul said to Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present age. Not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Notice, he gives us richly all things to enjoy. And he can give you those things because he knows they're not going to be an idol to you. Whenever whenever there's something in your life that you just have to have and you do anything to get it, be very careful because that is the thing that is going to draw you away. But if you're like, I could take it or leave it, God can give it to you. To bless you. And he does. He does that. Because he knows that it's not going to take you away. And you'll always be thanking and praising him for it. Isn't that a wonderful... You know, there's nothing better than to see somebody who's received something. Maybe has worked for something. Maybe has obtained something. And they're just so thankful to God. And they give thanks to him. They take care of it. They're good stewards. but But it's not an idol to them. It's a wonderful thing to see. It's a good thing for us to consider for ourselves that we don't get caught up in those things. In Matthew 19, Jesus spoke to this rich young ruler. And he says, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said, which ones? And Jesus lists those commandments for him. And the young man said, all these things I have kept from my youth, but what do I still lack? And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be mature, if you want to be a full age, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. And the young man turned away with great sorrow. Why? Because he had invested in the world. He had invested in the world with no thought of Giving to the kingdom of God. Whatever that means. There's a lot of different ways we can give to the kingdom of God. We can do it in our tithing. We can, give it, we can do it by giving to others. We can do it by giving our time, of our energies, the first fruits of our energies, better. We can give to missionaries. 
We can support Christian music. We can hand out Bibles. There's many ways that we can do that. But instead of investing in the Lord, this young man, he chose to invest in the world. And the rust and the canker of all the stuff that he had obtained will be eaten up before him in time. We don't really hear much about him afterwards, but I'm sure it's not a very good story. So what are you investing in? What am I investing in? Invest in the food that doesn't perish. Everlasting life. Invest in Christ. Invest in the things of God. Those are the things that folks are, when we get to heaven, when we are in his presence, you are going to be rewarded for what we did with our resources. We're going to be rewarded for what we did. And, and don't misunderstand me. You don't have to be in the ministry to do these things. Because every one of you, most of you, are in jobs in the, in, the, in the real world, so to speak. But you can be a light and a blessing to everyone around you. You can be the best example. You can be the hardest worker. You can be the most faithful person to pray for those who are hurting Do those things, and in that way, you will be blessing God. And when you see him face to face, you will be rewarded. Don't think that you've got to be a Bible teacher, that you've got to be a worship leader, or that you've got to go around witnessing to the different houses in your area in order to be blessed by God and for him to smile upon you. No, you just be where you're at and be faithful in everything you do. Amen? I need to do that. I want to be faithful to him. I do. I want to give everything to him. Notice when he says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures, what? To everlasting life. So Jesus obviously is comparing the physical and the, or the temporary with the spiritual or the eternal. And it's so important for us to consider this. Why? Because life is short. We have a very short time on this earth. What does it say in James? Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. It's true. When I was a teenager, I thought I had all the time in the world, and it felt like it. And then I got in my 20s, and things started to slow down, in my, or actually speed up. And then in the 30s, things kept speeding up, 40s, 50s, and now I'm 51, and, and it just seems like life is just taking off. And I'm like, where did the time go? I got more behind me than I got in front of me. And it becomes sobering, doesn't it? Job said, man, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Our life in this tabernacle is so short. The decisions that we make while in this body or in this tent, as Paul would tell us, will determine our eternal destiny, won't it? I would encourage you to read Psalm 90, but we'll just pick a few things out of this. Moses wrote this psalm, and he said, For a thousand years in your sight is as, um, is like, are like yesterday when it's past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up, and in the morning it flourishes and grows up, and in the evening it is cut down and withers. And then down in verse 9 he says, For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. 
The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for soon it is cut off and we fly away. And he ends it in verse 12 when he says, As a result of all these things, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom to be able to apply the knowledge that we read in the Bible to apply it every day to our life. That's really what it's all about, isn't it? And our eternal existence will not consist of some vapor or spirit. Do you know that? When a person dies, their spirit or their soul, their spirit and their soul, they either return to God or they go to hell. There's only two places. We know that at the rapture, we will receive a new body that can withstand eternity. But those who went to hell, they too will be resurrected at the great white throne judgment. They will receive a body that can withstand the flames and the torment of hell and never be quenched. It will never be consumed. A body outfitted for that. Can you imagine? That makes me want to run closer and harder and faster into the arms of Jesus. Yes, the fear of hell brought me to Christ. I did not want to go to hell. I deserved it. And I still do, by the way. (laughs) But I run into his arms and I say, God, I'm so glad that I'll never see that place because of what you have done. Because what you alone have done. Even as a Christian, I've messed up. And I know you can probably say the same thing of yourself. But you're not going to go to hell, Christian. You are secure in your Father's arms. You are secure So who is supporting you? Who is sustaining you? I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 121. He says, I will lift my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? From where does it come from? And the answer is in the next verse. My help comes from Jehovah who made heaven and earth. If he made heaven and earth, I think he is very much able to help me. The Lord upbraided the Israelites because they leaned upon Egypt Rather than leaning upon him, they leaned upon Egypt. In Isaiah 31, it says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. That's the problem. The Lord spoke through Jeremiah the prophet, and he says in Jeremiah chapter 2, he says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The cistern has a promise when, it, when it's healthy and when it's new, it's unmarred, and it, the rain comes and it fills with water. But a broken cistern, the water just goes right out. And that's what everything is in life apart from Christ. It's like a broken cistern, all the helps that we run to when we're struggling. It could be a credit card. It could be a friend. It could be your neighbor. It could be your, you know, your wife or your spouse, which is not always bad. But who do you run to first? Who supports you? Run to Jesus Christ. Run to him. Run to him. He is the strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are what? They are saved. Run to Jesus often. And notice, because God the Father, at the end of that verse, God the Father has set his seal upon him, upon Jesus. It's a a signet. When that signet is pressed down in the wax, it is permanent. And no one can open that letter where a signet ring has been waxed to, except under the penalty of death. 
It's an irrecoverable seal, only able to be opened up by the recipient. That's the kind of seal that God has set over his son. And he set over you and I. So they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Everybody wants to work for their salvation. They want something to have, have a part in it somehow. But what does the Bible say? That by grace you've been saved. By grace, God's unmerited favor, you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Salvation is a gift of God. You cannot earn it. And therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. You can't do enough good things to earn God's salvation. Impossible. It's a fool's errand to try and earn God's favor. Because guess what? If you're a Christian, you already have his favor. He already looks upon you and smiles. I like that, don't you? So Jesus, verse 29, he answered and said to them, This is the work of God. Notice, the work, singular. This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Notice Jesus' response. It's simple, it's direct, and yet the biggest stumbling block for everyone on the planet. Because man likes to feel like they've had some bearing in their salvation. I want to feel like I had some... Something to do with it. All you had to do was believe in him. It's a work, yeah. It's a work that he gave you the faith even to do. Believe in him. We need to believe him. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then? What miracle are you going to perform? We want to be entertained, Jesus. Remember Herod said that? Oh, I just want to see Jesus. I'm going to see if he can do a magic trick. You know, pull the rabbit out of the hat. A real rabbit out of a hat. You know, take a turban and pull out a jackrabbit full-grown, you know, and the hat's only that big. He's, Herod wanted to be tickled. He wanted to be tickled. What sign are you going to do, Jesus, after you did this miracle of the loaves and the bread? What sign are you going to do? Because guess what? The, the world says seeing is believing, but guess what? Seeing is not believing, but rather believing is seeing, right? Believing is seeing, not the other way around. In John's gospel, when uh, Jesus was speaking to Martha at Lazarus' resurrection, what did he say to her? He said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? There it is. You've got to believe, and then you'll see. Not see, and then believe. It's very natural to see and believe. Yeah, if you, if, you know. Somebody tells you they bought you a new car and it shows up out here after, you know, after the service. You're like, I see it. I believe it. There it is. But to believe it, then you'll see it. That's the kind of thing that God wants us to get a hold of. Because when you come to Jesus and you're born again, what happens? Your eyes are open for the first time. My eyes were opened. My eyes were, I had scales over my eyes. I was dull in my senses, until the Spirit of God came and took residence in my heart, and now everything is different. I see everything from a different perspective, a true perspective, a biblical perspective, a biblical worldview. Do you view everything through a biblical worldview, or is your worldview still slanted by what you see in CNN and Fox News? Your worldview is based on the Word of God. That cre- that's what molds your worldview. And if that happens, blessed are we. So notice what they said. They said, Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
And then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. The true bread from heaven. You see, the multiplying of the bread and the fish that they just witnessed should have brought them to an understanding of who he was. It should have piqued their curiosity about what happened in the desert when God provided manna for the Jews who came out of, out of Egypt. He came out of Egypt. And I love what it says in Galatians. It says the law was our tutor. It was a, it was a, um, it was a tutor. To bring us to Christ. The law was designed to prepare us for Jesus. And so what did the law tell us in Exodus 16? It told us that event when they finally came out. It was like the second month, I think on the 15th day, after they had come out of Egypt. And they're hungry. And they were murmuring and complaining against Moses and Aaron. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation, they're complaining, right? And then it says, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of God in the land of Egypt, where we sat by the pots of meat, where we ate bread to the full. For we have brought you have brought us out in the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I might test them that they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day when they shall prepare twice as much so that on the seventh day they can rest. So God even made provision for the Sabbath that they were to rest in, that he would allow them to do that. And God provided even meat in the evening at one point. Provided quail. And they woke up in the next morning and they saw the stuff on the ground And they said, what is that? It was some kind of frost. It looked like coriander seed, kind of white, and it tasted like uh, oil and honey. And they literally said, what is that? And that's what manna means. What's that? That's a really great name. What's that? I have no idea what it is, but it tastes pretty good. Let's gather up as much as we can and bring it into the house and get the kids on a sugar buzz. No, they gathered it, right? They gathered it, and that was a... That was a, an, an, it was a foreshadowing. God was feeding them physically, but later on when Christ would come, he would feed them spiritually, and he would give them spiritual life, spiritual understanding, and have the Spirit of God indwelling them. That's what Jesus came to do, to save men from their sin. And so the Old Testament was like that schoolmaster, that tutor, to finally bring them to the point where they're at right now. When he says, he goes on in verse 33 and says, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to you. And this life that Jesus gives, again, is spiritual and eternal, not physical and temporal. So it's important that we consider these things. You remember when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. She was out there getting water. And the woman, they had this really wonderful dialogue. And the Lord was drawing her out. And then finally the woman said to to Jesus, Sir, give me this water that I may may not come 
that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Does that sound very similar to what we see in our text now in verse 34? What did they say? They say to him, Lord, give us this bread always, still thinking in the natural. And that's what we do. Man typically does that. We think in the, in the natural. Very seldomly do we initially start off thinking spiritual. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.